This is Paul. This is Wayne. Well, guys, I am fresh back from uh, my trip to Little Rock, Arkansas. Hmm. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I was sitting out. Hold on. Uh, hold on. on. Is this another sex story? Another vacation sex story, Aaron? Because I need to prep myself if it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it does touch on a, a, a little bit of sex. Not OK, not like I'm taking my pants off now. <laughs> so I, I'm sitting out on the patio. It's like, you know, 11 o'clock at night or something. And uh, I am I am having a cigar, you know, uh, there at the hotel and, you know, drinking my uh, travel bourbon. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, to, to kind of set the scene, the patio backs up to the enclosed swimming pool area. And on the other side of the window, immediately next to where I was sitting was the hot tub. And, of course, you know, to fully paint the picture, there were a couple of olds in the hot tub, you know, just stewing, you know. But this – I've got my headphones in and I'm on my iPad and I don't have the, the music up real loud. Uh, and so when this couple comes down and sits down across from me and is having their own private conversation, I can hear every word they're saying. They think I can't hear them and they proceed to have an argument for one and then it transcends into sex talk. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was like, well, are you, are you going to bite me? Well, where do you want me to bite you? Well, I'd like you to bite my dong. And I'm, I'm, I really wanted to comment on that. Like, no, no, you don't want her to bite your dong. That's not anything any guy wants. No, make her take her you teeth know. out first. <laughs> Why is dong? A, that was. Can we can we strike dong from the sexy talk vernacular? I mean, that's not a that's not, that's not an appropriate yeah, no, word. I, exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, they, they were do, they were doing sex talk and they were doing it badly. I think is is really what uh, what I wanted to highlight here. And I can't blame it on Arkansas because I you know they were on they were at a hotel, so they're probably you know coming in from somewhere else. But uh, I was just like, yeah, this is just really bad. This is just really bad. But the whole time I was really wishing. I was trying to to <laughs> to figure out a uh, a quiet way that I could set the audio to record right. <laughs> Uh, and I was just really afraid that my iPad would make some kind of noise when I turned on the recorder. Because I'm like, does it make a noise when I activate the recorder? I think it does. I think it goes ding, ding. <laughs> and I just I, I didn't want to set that off because I don't know if you've ever taken a picture of somebody, you know, uh, the like flash you, comes you, on. Yeah. yeah. And you didn't realize the flash is coming on. The yeah. person turned around. Did you just take a picture of me? No, 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 I did not. <laughs> I accidentally turned on my flashlight. I was not taking a picture of your tramp stamp. I promise. <laughs> anyway, so I did not record that. Because, but the whole time I'm like, this would be great conversation for the uh, for the podcast. Because, I mean, it was just it was the worst sex talk you've ever heard in your life. I want you to bite my dong. <laughs> yeah, I want, I want you to bite my dong. No. I mean, I really did want to provide some feedback. No, you don't want that. Yeah, why? Yeah, that is wrong. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Maybe You're doing he's... sex talk all wrong. Let me help you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he doesn't like his dong. <laughs> but yeah, it could be some sort of self-hating sort of thing. But, it could be. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I just thought I'd share that with you. Well, speaking my of... Little tri- my little trip to Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of violent, sexy things... Mm-hmm. So, Image Comics surprise released a comic this week. I don't know if you guys heard about this. I'm so surprised I didn't know what happened. Well, I think that's the point. Uh, so they Image Comics and Skybound released a comic called Die, Die, Die. 
It's uh, co-written by Robert Kirkman and Scott Gimple, who was the showrunner on The Walking Dead up through season eight. Um, art by Chris Burnham. And it's kind of like this, you know, secret government assassin type book. Uh, I picked it up because I was like, well, I mean, that's kind of interesting that they went through all that trouble of releasing this secret book. Now, ideally, if you're going to release a secret book, you should do something rather big, right? Um, instead of just like this indie story that's kind of got nothing to do with anything. And make it not secret when you release it so people know about it to buy it. Yeah, there's that. Uh, I mean, I, it is it is very old school Mark Miller-esque. It's like Robert Kirkman read all the old Mark Miller books and, and wrote a book with as many F-bombs and profanities and wild, insane violence as he could. Um, it's a fun book, but it was just kind of surprising that in this day and age, someone actually got a secret comic book out on the stands like how does that even work like how does how do comic shops order it yeah exactly i mean how, how do you yeah how does it get on the shelves unless you just show up and say hey here's some books for you or maybe sell them, you know don't sell them we don't care maybe for comic <laughs> shops they say hey secret robert kirkman comic book and they you know order it but i don't know how that still stays secret secret like yeah you know, how comic shops aren't i mean comic shops post comic pictures Right. Uh, you know, the, the day they get comics. So the fact that they could order something and it come in and it still not be broken, you know, as a news item until the day of, I mean, it's big deal. I wish it was a, it, it's a big deal idea in this day and age. It's just not a big deal comic book. Right. Yeah. But, Weird. You know, and, and, and to be released in the same week as Amazing Spider-Man number one and Superman number one, I'm sure it's just getting lost on the shelves. You know, I literally couldn't find anything else this week that I wanted to buy that was new. Well, that's you aren't reading Spider-Man Hawkman. and Superman. That is correct. I am not reading Hawkman, Paul. So and, good. <laughs> and no matter how many times you tell me how awesome that book is, I will still not be reading Hawkman. So good. Thank you very much. I read a bunch of things that I had kind of backlogged. Like, I've been picking up, you know, issue one of a lot of books to try them. Like, Image had a horror book recently that I picked up that was... Uh, bedtime tales or something like that hmm. that i thought you might like paul yeah i haven't checked it out i've got a bunch of number ones that i want to read too i picked up uh apparently ron mars is writing the new run of uh fathom from aspen comics i picked that up and i haven't read it yet uh, you know as much as i like ron mars i've never liked fathom neither have i but i figure i'll give yeah. it a shot i mean that that is his strength is strong women characters so i figure i'll uh i'll at least give it a first issue even though you know i bought it two weeks ago and still haven't read it but i will damn it but yeah, I got caught up on Uber, uh, not the uh, ride sharing company, but the Avatar <laughs> press comic. Kieran he just ordered Uber everywhere. <laughs> I have to go to the market. But you know, he's he's uh, he's coming up on the end of the series. He's like in the in the last twelve issues, I believe, and uh, it's just so good, so dark, but so good. Is it the end end or just the end of this? You know, no, coming I up to the coming up to the actual end of the series. Ah, oh, okay. He's had sort of a uh, sort of an over overarching goal on the series, and he's added like you know a couple of books, I believe, yeah. here and there. But he he is planning to end the series within the next year. Okay. Wow. Well, instead of endings, we're going to talk about beginnings this week, and we're going to talk about the three thousand page Amazing Spider-Man number one. Uh huh. Yeah. Because <laughs> wow, this was, I mean this was a significant sized book. I mean you paid for it. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> How did it feel to spend that $6, Paul? You know, it feels rough every time. <laughs> every wow. time I continue to do it. I didn't even notice the price. 
Yeah, it was a pricey book. Uh, Legacy number I what, 802. I, I probably would not have picked it up had it been a bigger week in comics. You know, had there been other books on the shelf that I wanted, because uh, I haven't read Spider-Man in so long. Uh, I, I jumped out of the Dan Slot run probably two years ago. But uh, uh, the fact that it was Nick Spencer uh, writing, and I really enjoy Nick Spencer's uh, words, and Ryan Otley drawing, and I really enjoy Ryan Otley, uh, I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, this See, was a nice superstar creative team, I thought. Yeah, I definitely would have picked it up even in a busy week because Spider-Man's one of my top five heroes. And anytime a new writer comes on and starts a new run, I'm going to give it a shot. Well, it's probably been 10 years, right, since we've had a new... I shouldn't say that because I know they have that other uh, Spider-Man book, The Spectacular Spider-Man by uh, Chip Zdarsky that I'm not reading. Yeah, but it's not the main title. It's been over 10 years since, uh, since Amazing's been written by somebody else. So I want to hear Aaron's thoughts first since he picked this book up on Amazing Spider-Man number one. I liked the book. Um, I I think Nick Spencer has a nice handle on the character. Um, I There are a number of things I really enjoyed about the book. Um, you know, I, I, I do kind of feel like even though I haven't read the Dan Slott Spider-Man books, I want to say since Spider Island, I think is what, about where I jumped out. Um and certainly I, I read the Spider-Verse stuff. I can't remember which came first, Spider-Verse or Spider-Island, but I read both of those arcs uh, when they were happening. Um, but I've been out since. And I like to, I, I, I'll tell you, I don't feel like I missed anything. Um, you know, yeah, Pete this was a still, good, genuinely good r- jumping on point. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like the character is still pretty much in the same moment that he was having then. Um, you know, it was really easy to pick up. Um, I loved Ryan Otley's artwork. In fact, he's got a couple of shots in here of Spider-Man that are just beautifully done. Um, I, 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 I truly did enjoy it. I don't understand what uh, Wilson Fisk is wearing because usually he wears a cravat and he's wearing some sort of, of – uh, <laughs> he's wearing his, uh, his uh, cravat or uh, ascot as a turtleneck. Okay. Uh, it is such a bizarre look. I don't understand that. But anyway. That's what happens um, when you become mayor. You lose all sense of fashion. <laughs> uh, apparently. But uh, I, I will tell you, I enjoyed this book. I don't plan on pish- picking up issue two. And the reason why I don't plan on picking up issue two is I feel like this thing is chasing the same brass ring that's, that Dan Slott was chasing uh, back in his run. And it's what I always kind of feel about Spider-Man is as much as I enjoy Spider-Man, I don't feel like the character ever moves and they never get to the part of the story that I really want them to tell. Uh, you know, Mary Jane and Pete uh, decide that they're, you know, going to date again in this book. Um, but, you know, where I really wanted the Dan Slot story to go was to reset Spider-Man back to a time when uh, uh, Mary Jane and Pete were married. And maybe that's where Nick Spencer's going. I'm just not willing to be along for the chase. Um, I, I, I don't think any writer will be allowed to do it in the main title as long as uh, Quesada is anywhere in the company. Yeah, and that's my problem with Spider-Man. I mean, mean, as much as I like the character, Spider-Man was one of the first superhero characters I I read after Superman. And I've always had a a tenderness for the character, but I I just feel like he never moves forward. And I know a lot of people say, but it's comics, and these are, these are you know mainstream comics, and they're all act two. But, you know, Superman moves forward. Batman moves forward-ish. 
um, you know, despite what we saw with the wedding uh, in, uh, you know, the, the, the recent Batman book. But I, it just frustrates me because, you know, I, I, I see what I want and I'm, I don't feel like I'm ever going to get it again. Yeah. I do have the hope that with all of the success DC had around, uh, you know, bringing back the pre-Flashpoint Superman, bringing back a married Superman who has a kid, that maybe that will let Marvel fix that. Yeah. I will say that, you know, there were some story elements that I thought were brilliant that Nick Spencer employed. And again, I feel like I didn't miss an issue because – you know, Spider-Man's still dealing with the fact that uh, Otto Octavius inhabited his body for a period of time, and he is, you know, caught having, uh, you know, plagiarized a paper in his graduate studies that Otto Octavius wrote, right? So, you know, Otto was using his own research when he submitted the paper as Peter Parker, but of course it appears that Peter Parker was plagiarizing Otto's work, so he loses his uh, graduate degree, it's, you know, he's, he's publicized as a fraud, loses his job at the, as science editor at the Bugle, embarrasses Aunt May, who is now dreadfully ashamed of him. Uh, you know, and it's, it's, you know, everything bad's happening to Peter. Thought that was a brilliant piece of storytelling on Nick Spencer's part. And of course, yes. everything bad always happens to Spider-Man. And, you know, that is that is it, it just, you know, a slice of Spider-Man. I, I thought that was pitch perfect. You know, I everything not... bad always happens to Spider-Man. But the reason I love that so much, Aaron, was that was a pet peeve of mine and the follow up to uh, Superior Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Because I just couldn't imagine that a character so obsessed with responsibility would accept a doctorate that he didn't earn. Right. And this is the first time in any story since that that he's admitted that he should have done something about that. Well, and I, that, I thought it was wrong. I thought it was nice that they pinged it back, you know, to his bad decision making. And pinged it to the decision where he didn't stop the the burglar who ultimately kills Uncle Ben. You know, I mean, I, I, I think that was, I, again, pitch perfect. Yeah, a lot um, of my complaints about the slot run after Superior, because he, he nailed it with Superior. Yeah, Superior was a good story. But when Peter came back, he didn't have the same responsibility that the character had. And this, they kept going back to that. And he kept thinking back to those times and... It's like they're addressing all of the things that it bugged me that Slot didn't fix. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that I'm still struggling with in this book, though, is the Mysterio element. Um, I don't un- – Mysterio decides he's going to punch up and try and take out all the superheroes at one time. And in order to do that, he creates this elaborate special effect which appears – to have uh, outer space aliens attacking New York City. I don't understand how he manages the elaborate special effect for the the outer space aliens to be so effective that it's beating everybody other than Spider-Man. I don't that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it definitely was one of those like it's out of Mysterio's league to do this, but I like that he was trying something. No, I get that. What, and, those, and, what he was fighting, they were fighting though. It did seem like it was out of. Yeah. I mean, it was he able to create these animatronics because, you know, <laughs> I, what, what the hell were those things? That's what I don't understand. 
because they were acting independently. They weren't animatronics because they were they were slime monsters, right? Uh, yeah, I know, think they, that the only thing that makes sense is he actually created real slime monsters. Yeah, and yeah. it's just it was just it was that was a little bizarre to me. Well, Though and I I'm did curious like that, who's who, which Mysterio is this? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I did like that Spider Man was embarrassed that it was his villain that was doing all this. I mean, I, I thought that was that was great, um, and I like that Spider Man kept trying to use the same joke and it w- wasn't playing well, <laughs> you know, in, in various encounters. Again, I thought I think it's really well written. Uh, I I really I can recommend this book to our listeners. I'm just not going to pick yeah. up issue two because I, I feel like I'm I'm chasing the same thing I've been chasing for ten years in Spider Man and not getting it. I really enjoy that Fisk's big plan for dealing with Spider-Man is shower him with praise. Yeah. Because a Spider-Man that everybody hates, that the city's after, that doesn't do anything to him. But you shower him with praise and then suddenly all of the other heroes are mistrusting him because Kingpin is showering you with praise. Right. No, I think that's brilliant. Again, Nick Spencer does a great job. I, I really like his writing. Yeah, I am so... I am on board for issue two. I am 100% on board because to me, like I said, it felt like Spider-Man's coming back. I do think he's going to move forward into something new, but it feels like first he's trying to fix more things. Like Slot tried to reset things, but it didn't get him to the place that they want him now. So I think there's going to be this first story arc, and after that's done, then we'll really see what the new status quo is. The bringing Mary Jane back was huge for me. I'd rather see the whole marriage come back, but that that's the person he goes to when everything gets to its absolute worst. He realizes that he just can't go on without her. And that's who he goes to really spoke to the Spider-Man that I used to read. So, Paul, you've been quiet in this conversation. Well, I mean, so I agree with most everything you guys said. I have a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of key items that I wanted to briefly mention, which is I love the the Nick spent or not the Ryan Otley art for the most part. Um, I really like the two page spread with all the heroes and the fact that they found a way to introduce Ryan Otley's penchant for super violence without making it super violent. You know, they have all these bugs that are getting sliced up and torn up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you've got all the, the, the green goo everywhere instead of the gore. However, in addition to that, I had an issue with his designs for Peter and Mary Jane. And it's just because I've been reading Invincible for whatever, 10 years. The fact that that they look basically like Mark Grayson and Adam Eve. And I understand that that those were homages to these characters. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the the scene where Peter and Mary Jane kiss, I mean, is straight out of Invincible. I mean, up to and including all the gore on Peter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they, they look so similar, um, especially Mary Jane and Adam Eve. And again, I understand that Adam Eve was an homage, you know, visually to Mary Jane. But unfortunately, it just kind of looks like the same characters to me. So I had a yeah. hard time distancing myself that way. Um, I'm, I'm interested in this Mysterio thing. You know, you talked about him punching up. Like, where did all those millions of bugs come from? And maybe it has nothing to do with it, but I have a feeling it might have to do with this demon that he made a deal with. Yes, because I don't know if you guys are... Well, I know you guys aren't reading it. If this is Quentin Beck, yeah, he's been over in Scarlet Spider and where he had returned from the dead and he had been working with magic and he has a daughter that really went into magic and he had been dealing with a demon. So 
I don't know what you guys had read about it, but he ha- if it is Quentin Beck, then yeah, he has access to more things than he ever did as Mysterio before. Well, they call him Quentin Beck. You know, they talk about his origin okay. and they call him Mr. Beck when they're in court. So I, I would yeah, imagine this. No, you're right. It definitely, it definitely is Quentin. I say over in Scarlet Spider, he... He's gone through some things. Okay. Well, I mean, that, then the, maybe that that explains a little bit more of his uh, his extreme abilities in this book. I enjoyed it. I will pick up issue two. I'm curious about this uh, thing with the lizard, uh, this redemption arc, I guess, for the lizard, because now he's teaching at Empire State University. So I think there there's enough aspects that I will give it the first story arc. I'll tell you that much. But after that, we'll see. I love Spider-Man. Yeah. I want to give Spider-Man a shot. Uh, you know, I love Spider-Man. He in in he he's in my my top heroes, but obviously my number one is going to be Superman. Um, and we had a, a Superman number one this week too. And I, I I have similar feelings for Superman number one that I do about Amazing Spider-Man number one. I'm tired of being conflicted about Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, wow. Bendis has me conflicted. And it's the same thing I had to say all through the Man of Steel stuff. He took away the things I really liked. And now they're at least talking about him and we know what happened to them. But damn, if he doesn't do incredible dialogue. And I love, you know, I love Supergirl and uh, how she's how they've used her in the uh, the stories. And here is it just the character is the character. It sounds right. It, everything is great about it and yet the background story they've got to bring back the villain that i really didn't like you know for me superman number one i don't i I don't feel like i read superman number one this week i feel like i read man of steel number seven um you know they they should have just called man of steel number one superman number one and just kept going because that's what this book is it just continues the same um general story arc we we just saw rogel czar go into the phantom zone so clearly now that spoilers, Earth has been sucked into the Phantom Zone. We'll see Rogelzar again already. Um, I enjoyed the book for the most part. I, I would say it's good, but not great. But man, I had some issues with this, and and a lot of them are in the last three pages of the issue, four pages, I should say, uh, where Martian Manhunter's like, you know, you should just take over the world, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I've had issues with Martian Manhunter since the new Fifty Two. The character I used to like, who I thought was a good supporting character, is long gone, and this just kind of cemented it because his whole speech is like that is not Martian Manhunter. Well, and maybe it's not. That's the thing, you know, because he's referred to as the hardened soul of the Justice League in this book, and even him talking about taking over the world, Superman's like take. And so maybe, you know, there, there's some deeper stuff at play. You know, they show the Martian Manhunter after, like, ominously. So I have a feeling there's more to it than that. And we're supposed to feel this way about it. But it was definitely an odd sequence. But when Earth was sucked into the Phantom Zone, like Superman's just flying through the air, I feel like that was so oddly presented visually that there, there wasn't really much impact to those two pages. So Superman's just flying through the air. And all of a sudden, the background turns blue, and everything just kind of turns blue, and he looks around, and he's like, oh, wait, we're in the Phantom Zone. And I was like, whoa, I totally didn't get that from those couple of pages. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I was left shaking my head at that point, because it's like, can we please move away from this villain that I just don't care about? Yeah, it felt like Rogelzar should have been on the shelf for 
at least a story arc. Yeah. You know, the fact that we je- that Superman number one is exactly what you said. Man of Steel number seven uh, was super frustrating. But, you know, there's a lot that I disliked about this book, you know, uh, and, I, and I find it interesting. Spider- Spider-Man is to Marvel Comics what Superman is to DC, yeah. right? He is a, a tentpole character, probably their most popular character, just like Superman, you know, is the guy who kicked off everything over at uh, DC and has, you know, Batman's probably the most popular character, but, you know, tries to be the most popular character. But uh, I think there's some interesting juxtaposition. And the, the one that I, I'll start with is the difference in newsrooms. You know, over in Amazing Spider-Man, you know, Robbie Robertson, you know, editor and publisher of the Daily Bugle says, you know, I had to let reporters go. I can't keep you on, Peter, when, you know, credibility is the only thing we have left. And you see just a very spartanly, you know, uh, populated newsroom there at the Bugle, whereas, again, we see a Daily Planet that is just choking with staff. I mean, just a bazillion staff. And I find it is so funny of all the things that I have a hard time believing. Like I had a hard time believing in Amazing Spider-Man about the you know, Mysterio's ability to generate these special effects that are so convincing that the Avengers believe that it is an outer space invasion versus what I find so hard to believe in the pages of DC Comics is that there would be a newsroom that is so successful and so uh, well populated with staff. Completely with you. That's that's a lot harder to believe. It really is. Um, One of the things I I think Ivan Rice draws beautifully. I love his little image of the Justice League uh, (laughs) and Superman is is, you know, taking care of uh, making sure that all his items from the destroyed Fortress of Solitude are, 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 you know, gathered up and appropriately secured. I love the moments, you know, where. uh, Clark is flashing back in the Kent home and, you know, he's he's there's this conversation between him and Jonathan. Uh, I mean, I think these are great moments. And one of the things that I, that I really noticed, you know, we keep getting pieces back of Superman's costume. You know, we keep losing that new 52 influence. And the fact that we're back to uh, Silver Age boots on Superman is so immensely satisfying to me. You know, we got the underwear back. We've gotten the boots back. The only thing that, that I can tell on the costume that remains are the, are the, uh, cuffs on his shirt. Yeah. The weird cuff cuffs. There's yeah, but those are still odd no, to me. Yeah. They, they are odd. Cause they, they look like little, you know, wrist, you know, wrist bracelets almost, Yeah. but at least it's not the pointy cuff that he used to have, you know, that made it look like he was wearing some girl's dress. But, True. uh, uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I where I really sort of disengaged from this book is when Clark decides to create his his new Fortress of Solitude outside the Arctic. Um, I, <laughs> when he throws it into the Bermuda Triangle, I'm like, God damn it, Bendis, did you not read any of the books that came before you? They've tried this before. They, you, do you remember when they had the, 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 the Fortress of Solitude out in South America? Yeah, I yeah, was just Amazon. thinking that. And it was right after yeah. Infinity Crisis or Infinite Crisis. Yep. Yeah, and it, and it was stupid. I mean, I hated it. I hated it. You know I what don't... I would have accepted? If they would have done the mountain one that he was doing when there when he was the hidden Superman? Uh-huh. 
if they would have gone back to that one, it wouldn't have bothered me so much. Or the moon. I would have been happy with that because, you know, maybe you move the fortress someplace that uh, people can't stumble onto it, you know, other than perhaps outer space aliens. But the, I mean, it irritated the living shit out of me because, again, it's change for change's sake. There is there is no good reason to move the fortress from the Arctic to the Bermuda Triangle because arguably more people are going to run into it in the ocean than they would up in in the Arctic. Yeah, go to the Arctic then. I mean, honestly, if I if I were writing the book and I understand that I'm not, I would just if if the Fortress of Solitude got destroyed and you really wanted to stick to that, and I know that's Bendis's mo, change for change's sake, just have him have. It, like they have this brand new hall of justice, just have that be his base of operations instead. Yeah, yeah. you know, I want to see more of that hall of justice from Justice League book. You know, incorporate that aspect into your book. So I had another big pet peeve on this book, and it's something that I liked at first, but is now I feel really overdone. And that's every time Superman's having a conversation with someone, he's zips away multiple times to do the hero thing. Right. I liked that in the beginning. I did. I thought it was kind of, it was really cool. And it was something about the character to show just who he is. But now it's been done. Yeah, it's tedious. And it just keeps happening. And it's like, I'm done with it. I don't need this anymore. It was really cool at first. I was amused that Manhunter said, you know, I can help you with that. (laughs) (laughs) There was fire at this one. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. I, 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 while I enjoy that sequence, one, we've seen it done many times, and two, it, it, it kind of paints this picture like Superman just runs off super speed, comes back a second later. But yeah, Superman's fast, but like the things he's fighting still, you know, the battles happen yeah. in real time. It's not like he goes and saves these burning children, build this burning children building in the span of a couple of seconds. Like, like no, he disappears for like an hour. And more importantly, like hour and more importantly Paul. He saved the dog. He saved the dog. That's the important part. You know, yeah. so so I really disliked this book. Other, You know, I, I enjoyed some of the dialogue. Love the Ivan Rice artwork. Disliked the book. Key difference. I'm going to pick up issue two. Key difference between this and Amazing Spider-Man number one. I'm going to pick up issue two. Arguably, I enjoyed Amazing Spider-Man number one more than I enjoyed Superman. Yeah, I hear you. But. But again, you know, I I think you stated this earlier, Paul, Superman's my guy and there's enough here that I like that I'm hoping that we work it out. But I got to tell you, we got to resolve this Rogelzar thing immediately because, ugh, yuck. So for both books, I'm getting the next issue of them. I'm going through the first story arc. I think it I'm more likely to drop Superman at this point because. I'm so conflicted about the book, and I'm tired of being conflicted about it. You know, it's funny. Yeah. I'm equally on the fence on both of them. Uh, I, I will give both of them a, a first arc. Uh, but after that, you know, that we'll, we'll see how things go. Um, but one book that I actually gave a shot is I picked up all four issues of Flash War. Uh, 40, Flash is issue 47 through 50 uh, this week. And I got to say, out of the three books we're talking about today, Flash number 50 was my favorite. I completely agree, Paul. And I've been picking it up a little bit before Flash War. I did the story arc right before it. And we get back to what are the characters we really love. Mm-hmm. I am a Wally West fan. And this book, this storyline, and the storyline even a little bit the storyline before, but definitely this storyline is a love letter to 
my era of Flash to Wally West. Yeah. And so the, the, the point of the Flash one, I think we've talked about this before, is that Wally West has has found out that because of Barry Allen's actions that caused the Flashpoint, his children have been written out of reality. But they're still in, or I shouldn't say written out of reality. He has forgotten that his children existed, but they are still in the Speed Force as, um, you know, that that's how their arc ended, that they all went into the Speed Force and only... Wally has come out of the Speed Force, and so he he's been given this this memory back. And there's a lot of setup in this book, you know, to to things that do play into the Justice League that I was just talking about. So th- there's mention of the the Still Force and the Strength Force and the Speed Force, and I think there's one more, and I don't recall what it is off the top of my head. But they, you know, there's because they've broken the Force Wall um, or the Force Threshold or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, you know, they, they've unlocked all this other stuff, all these new powers and all this other thing, all these other things that are playing into what's going on in the Justice League book. And I like that. I liked that cohesion. Um, Howard Porter doing the art on this book knocks it out of the park. His art is amazing. Every page yeah. is so active and busy and full of energy and life. I, I, I just can't get enough of this guy's artwork. Well, and something that could be really difficult to do, I think he did pretty well. There are multiple flashes on the page, including, you know, a reverse, I guess it's not a reverse flash, a zoom that is wearing a flash costume. But never once was I confused about which flash I was dealing with. No. You can tell the differences between them, even though you've got three variations of basically the same costume. It's such a well-written, you know, Joshua Williamson, it's kind of like, for, which I know some people had issues with, but Dan Slott loved, 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 loved Spider-Man. And, you know, he, he, he put his heart on his sleeve, for better or worse, as it comes to, as, as it relates to Spider-Man. And I feel like Joshua Williamson is doing the same thing with The Flash. He loves The Flash. And you can tell, you know, he, he was hired to write a Barry Allen book, but that dude loves him some Wally West. And so, you you know, you, you really get this love letter to Wally West. And a spoiler warnings on the return of Bart Allen, Impulse, uh, based on the actions of, of Barry Allen and Wally West and how they broke, um, kind of broke the speed force, has allowed Barry Allen, Bart Allen, excuse me, to come back to reality. It's also, for the time being, undone the ability for time travel. And yeah, I love that as a the last thing they did was you know having bart show up because we had a couple of surprises and twists and throughout the two number one issues we saw but that one i cheered at like the two i cheered at i was really happy to see back in the spider-man book spider-man and mary jane together and but this book seeing bart run back in that really got me too yeah it is it is a really good arc if you're a flash fan i definitely recommend picking it up uh the only thing that i didn't care for it uh is the way they handled uh new 52 wally west in that he's you know now he's angry and he's joining the angry teen titans that we saw set up in that other uh teen titans book that we picked up but other than that i did enjoy this book and uh i'm glad i picked up uh this arc I may pick up the next arc. We'll see. I'm I'm definitely on board for for finding out more about um, you know what's coming next. So, Paul. Yes, sir. 
What's coming out next week? So we get new issues of Avengers, Batman, The Magic Order, and Justice League. Now, we didn't talk about Magic Order on uh, on when f- the first issue came out. I loved that book. I cannot wait for issue two. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. And it's just a gorgeous, well-written book. Um, and But the book I'm most looking forward to, Aaron, that I'm going to be reading alone <laughs> huh. is... Injustice versus Masters of the Universe. It's a DC Comics crossover written by Tim Seeley, art by Freddie Williams II, that features the characters from the Injustice video game fighting the Masters of the Universe, He-Man and and Skeletor and all them. I'm psyched. Psyched. That sounds rough. You are right. You will be picking that up alone. (laughs) I'm good with that. I'm comfortable in that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, excellent. Well, I guess all that and more. Next week on a very exciting episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly and that guy Wayne. <laughs> Catch you next time. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.